0: And we are live and on. Well, maybe not live, but we're definitely on and up and running. Welcome to the church this evening. Fire Now Ministries, all the fun stuff. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad everybody's here that's here and listening live and taking notes and doing all kind of fun stuff. It's good to be here. Um, I'm glad to be with you tonight. Uh, I think I got a pretty good lesson, if you want to call it a lesson, so to speak. I called it Mindful. So Mindful is the name, if you want to put that down. I got a little bit of scripture to throw out at you tonight, so... Um, be ready for that but uh, it's going to be a good time let's pray father in the name of jesus i thank you that we get to be together tonight and i thank you for your word and i thank you that it doesn't return void i thank you father that we are mindful of you and i thank you father that everybody's blessed in jesus name we love you and amen hallelujah all right God bless you, Wyatt. All right. So, turn with me to Psalm 8. Psalm 8. I think I'm going to start out at King James. All right, I'm going to start out King James, and then uh, we're going to hit up the Passion Translation 2. So, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength, ordained strength, because of thine enemies, thou mightiest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and thou hast crowned him with glory and with honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the work of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All the sheep and oxen, yea, the beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the pass of the seas, our Lord, our, o, o Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. All right. Give it to you in, in the passion. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Let's see. starting in verse three out of the passion. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know that you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, I have to ask you this question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with Adam's sons? Yet what honor have you given men created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence? You have delegated them mastery over all you've made, making everything subservient to their authority, placing the earth itself under the feet of your image bearers and all the created order, and every living thing of the sky and the sea, the wildest beasts, and all the sea creatures. Everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your majesty. What glory streams from heavens fill the earth with the fame of your name. All right. So you can see there that the psalmist is, starts out giving glory to God, but then there's a point where it's a mystery to him that he, he asked, let me, I'm going to read it direct. It's 9, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And they amplified, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of the earth born that you care for him? Like it, it amazed them that God would see fit to even think about man or woe man. And it is, it, 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 it's stunning to think about, like, you, you think of yourself, you, you reflect and, and look at, at who you are and everything, and, and realize that the God who created everything is actually mindful of you, like, you, you're on his thoughts, you're on his heart, and it, it, it's just amazing. Like, you could go, you could go outside and look up to, at the stars and the, and the skies and see the clouds and the birds and the sun, moon, Everything. And realize that, that God spoke all of that into existence. Created every bit of that, but he's, he's mindful of you. Like those things, that he put them in place and they're doing what they're doing, but his main focus, like the apple of God's eye, his His heart's desire is you. And it's, it's just stunning to think about. And it, it's not just you, but it, it's all people. It's the people who even hate him. He, he's mindful of them. He, he de- desires them, desires them to be in his presence. But if God's so mindful of us, it kind of makes you want to reflect and think, like, how mindful are, are we of God? And I, I'm, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, because I've got, uh, like, four other sets of scriptures to throw at you. But as you continue reading there, you can see, so he he sees God, he, he realizes that God's mindful of him, okay, and he's been created a little lower than the angels, and this is like a type and shadow of Jesus, too, that he's talking about here, and crowned him with glory and honor, thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet. Now, you got to realize that when God created man, it was out of relationship, he desired to have relationship, which is again walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Adam had dominion over everything in the earth. All the animals were subject to Adam, everything. He ruled, reigned over the ground, every bit of the earth, like God gave it to man. But then when man, when Adam sinned, he like basically sold out and it all came into the devil's hands. Okay? And the devil ruled and reigned, and it's what brought the curse on the earth. It's what, what causes all the, the, the weather and everything. It's the, the groanings of sin that's now on the earth. Okay? But then Jesus came. And what, what did Jesus do? He became like a man and he brought everything in subject, right? And brought it all back in to the authority of, of who we are as Christians now. All right? I'm like, I'm running. I need to slow down, back it up a little bit. All right, go with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. And then I'll be able to build a little more on what I'm saying. Hebrews chapter 2. And verse 5, and then we're going to go on until eleven. I'm going to read this out of the Passion. I'm looking up at Sarah. She's keeping everything together. So, Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 5, out of the Passion. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels, but the Scriptures affirm What is man that you would even think about him or care about Adam's race? You made him lower than the angels for a little while. You placed your glory and honor upon his head as a crown, and you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. For you have placed everything under his authority. This means that God has left nothing outside the control of his Son. Even if presently we have yet to see this accomplished... But we see Jesus who as a man lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. For now he towers above all creation for all things exist through him and for him. And God made him pioneer of our salvation perfect through his sufferings. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Jesus the Holy One makes us holy, and his sons and daughters we now belong to this same Father, so he's not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. And I'm going to stop right there. So you can see right there and how that it laid it out that all the dominion, all the authority came back because of Jesus. And the the ultimate fulfillment is when Jesus comes back to rule and reign on the earth. And we're going to be ruling and reigning with him, right? Yes, amen. Okay. So that's when all the authority's there. But see, Jesus still paid the price, and he still restored authority back to the church, back to the believers. See, the world still has its wickedness, and it still is under the curse and everything, because not everybody's saved, Right? And it won't be perfect until Jesus comes back to rule and reign. Then everything will be under subjection then, right? All the wickedness will be done away with. The devil will be cast away for a thousand years during the millennial reign of Christ, all right? So, but what I want you to grasp and lay a hold of is that that God is mindful of you. And not only is he mindful of you, but he's given you dominion and authority to to rule and reign on this earth. See, a lot of Christians are, are... willing to lay down and be steamrolled by whatever comes along. A lot of Christians live in the weak, meek type of mentality. I mean, there's a point to be humble and to be meek and to be able to submit to the Lord. But it's not to be ruled and reigned over by the world and crushed under like the devil's foot. Like the way a lot of Christians live their lives, it's like you're under the devil's foot because of how they live, but the reality of the matter is is he's the one that's under your foot. See, when Jesus died, he, he went to, to hell, beat, laid a smackdown down on the devil, and, and rose up in victory, and when he rose up, we rose up with him. And the same divine authority that he had while he was here on earth has been passed on to us. See, that's why the, the sickness and disease is no longer a thing for us, that the Christians can live in authority over sickness and disease. That you, you can pray for people with authority, not wondering if God will do it, but knowing that he will do it, and counting it as done. To where authority actually commands things to be done. To where you can pray, Lord, I thank you that you've done this for this person, that sickness and disease is no more, that by his stripes that we are healed. And then you can lay hands and take authority over that thing. You file disease in the name of Jesus Christ. And take authority over it, just like Jesus took authority over sickness, disease. Just like Jesus took authority over devils. Just like Jesus took authority over death when he commanded Lazarus to rise. That same authority is what's been passed to us. That God is so mindful of us that he sent his son. That he loved people that much. Now, if he's sending his son, I mean, that's pre-Christians, Right? So he was mindful of man before anybody could even be saved. I mean, obviously, the Psalms, it's the Old Testament. And, And even then, he recognized that God was mindful of man. And he was actually speaking of things to come, to where authority would be given back to man. I think if the devil knew exactly what he was doing, he wouldn't have killed Jesus. But now that authority, it's been given back to us. See, and this is this is the church that's that's rising up. It's a, the, a church that walks in the anointing. It's a, it's the church that that walks in the authority that Jesus actually paid for. It's like it's already been paid ahead. It, it, like for instance, you're you're going through the drive-through or something in a, in a uh, for some Chick Fil A. Yeah, because it's Tuesday. Chick-fil-A. You're going through the drive-thru in Chick-fil-A, and you go, you know what? I'm feeling pretty generous. I'm going to pay for the people behind me. And when they get there, it's already been paid for for them. All they have to do is take it. See, it's the same thing with you. You as the believer, now if you're not a believer, you've got to get saved. We'll get to that in a minute. You as a believer, it's up to you on whether you take the free gift that's already been paid for. See, you get the free gift of salvation. A lot of people will get a hold of that. They're like, yeah, praise the Lord, I'm saved. But that's where they stop. See, but the reality of it is, and this is the church that's coming alive. This is the church like you read about in the book of Acts that's starting to to come to fruition again. It's starting to wake up and realize that there's a whole lot more to this salvation thing. That there's actually salvation over your soul. Your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. There's salvation for your spirit, obviously, because that's what's saved. And then there's salvation over your body, which is over sickness and disease. See that those things, that they don't actually have dominion over you anymore unless you give them dominion over you. See, that's why words are, are so important. Because the words that you speak out is what gives power to the things that you can have over your life, or the words that you speak out that actually bring the life of God over you. And not only over you, but it's over your family. It's a, you can actually take it and have authority over other people as they yield it to you because they want something from God. And you're the one that carries the power of God with you and you're able to give it to other people. You can actually lay hands on sick people that aren't even saved yet. Why? Because Jesus laid hands on sick people that weren't even saved yet because they couldn't be yet. And they were healed. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven had come in Jesus. And then he died in that, that, that authority that has been passed the man. Why? Because God is mindful of us. He's mindful of us so much and, and wants so much more for us. But it's, it, it's actually up to us on how much we want it. How much do you want the full gift that God actually paid for? Or, do you, or do you, are you just happy with like the, the crumbs, the, the little snicky snack? When there's actually so much more to be had. And see, like I said, this, this is what's happening in the church. That people are coming to realize that I can read my Bible. I can see miracles, signs, and wonders taking place in my Bible. And these were unlearned ordinary men is how the Bible talked about the disciples what the the Pharisees recognized. They were unlearned, ordinary men, but they had noticed that they'd been with Jesus. And you can see that unlearned, ordinary men that had been with Jesus actually carried a very powerful authority because Jesus paid the price for it. And you can be an unlearned, ordinary person that's maybe just listening to me now. But you can realize and identify, you know what? I'm an ordinary person. I'm an unlearned, ordinary person. But you're learning. And you can realize that God's going to take you just like he took them. Knowing that the Bible says that God's no respecter of persons. Knowing that he can take somebody that's unlearned and ordinary and actually make them something spectacular. That he takes what the, the natural is in your life and he puts his super to it and makes you have a supernatural life. See, the supernatural for the Christian is just kind of a natural thing to be lived. And what you can read in the Bible, you can actually experience for yourself. For them, what was it that that caused them to be able to experience? They had been with Jesus. That's what it was. Like I said before, the Pharisees took note that they had been with Jesus. And see, uh, for us as Christians, a lot of us are like, oh, what it would have been like to be with Jesus. But the reality of it is when you get saved, you can be with him because he comes to live in the inside of you. So you actually are a part of Jesus now. Jesus has become a part of you because he's put his spirit, the Holy Spirit, now comes to live in you. So now you can spend time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus is spending time in his word to eat and feed and hunger and thirst after what he says in his word. Spending time with Jesus is taking time to pray, to get alone with him, to shut the door of your closet, get alone in a secret place or get alone while you're driving in your car. Get alone with him walking down the street. Get alone with him in your house. Get alone with him wherever you can and spend time with him. See, and when you spend time with Jesus, you're making yourself mindful of who He is. And see, here's the reality is He's already mindful of you. And when you're mindful of who He is and you're mindful of the things that He's able to do, the mindful of the things that He's still doing and has never stopped doing. And because you're mindful of that, the supernatural things, the Bible things that you read about can actually take place in your life. I'm excited. I feel like I'm yelling constantly. Because that's the reality of what we live in. That's, that's the power of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. The full gospel goes beyond salvation, which, praise the Lord, is more than enough. But it actually carries power and authority with it. You can see that where it actually says about, uh, I've got to find it again. Go back. Psalm eight, verse two. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Because of thine enemies, and thou mightiest still the enemy, the avenger. Thou hast ordained strength. And look what it says: Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. See, God's actually been so mindful of you that He's ordained strength for your life. I want to see how it reads it in here. Keep that page. You have built a stronghold. Man, that's good. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. Singing children, it's talking about kids. See, this is why I won't write children off to be able to, to experience and take part in the power of God. See, a lot of churches, and I know because I've been in them, stupid, they'll put kids off. It's like, oh, you just go there and you get your cute little Bible lesson for 10, 15 minutes, and you learn that nice little Bible lesson, and then that's all they ever do with them. Because, oh, they're just kids. Kids can grasp a hold of the power of God a lot easier than an adult can half the time. Because they just take it for what it is. The Bible says this, I just believe it. And kids can actually walk and operate in divine authority better than some adults can. Because it's simple for them. That's what, man, I really love how it puts it in here. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. The kind of praise that has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Ooh, man, the passion's got some passion. The kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. But you can see right there in what I read in King James and the Passion. You can see that God's so mindful of man that he's actually given them power through their praise. But he's given you power. He's given you strength over the devil. And it comes from the fact of knowing him. And when you're giving up praise, it comes the, the praise comes out of your mouth because you know who God is. And there's actually power behind that. There's power that anybody that makes themselves an enemy of you, look at that. The childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. That you can actually shut your enemies up. The ones who tell you that, no, you can't open your church doors, you can't do this, you've got to wear a mask. You can't preach that here. You can't say that here. That's offensive. The power of God that actually resides on the inside of you can shut them up as long as you're willing to stand in it. See, the problem is that most people aren't willing to pay the price to stand in it. They'd rather just cow down and shut up and be told what to do rather than make any waves. Well, I don't think Jesus would be like that. I think Jesus absolutely would be like that, that he would make some waves. Because everywhere he went, he made some waves. Everywhere he went, there was power going with him. Everywhere he went, there was people getting offended, getting mad at him. See, so you've got to understand and realize that you operate in a power and authority that was given to you by Jesus, and he did the same thing. And you're not meant to be one the cow tail and lay down that you're meant to be one that stands in authority and says, no, I'm not going to do that. Out of all the churches that were told to shut down, not in this state, but in other states, there were churches told to shut down. No, you you can't do that. Only like a small percentage, 1%, if not less, maybe only one church in any one of these areas I'm talking about actually made a stand and decided to come against and sue the government for their right and privilege to do what was God ordained for them to do in the first place. To assemble and worship. Because the church of Jesus Christ is essential. It carries power. It doesn't shy away from sickness and disease because, oh, I might get sick and die. Or I might just get sick. But instead, the church stands up and goes, I'm going to lay hands on the sick that they shall recover. Well, there went your social distancing. Hallelujah. Like, with Jesus, did he social distance with the lepers? You know, it was actually illegal to go to the lepers and for the lepers to come to you to, by sentence of death. Huh. Unclean. But no, he went to them, bah! laid hands commanded, took authority. Jesus wasn't one to lay down. Jesus was one, as the Bible says, spoke as one having authority. And that same authority has been passed to us. I'm going to carry on. Here. verse 10 Hebrews chapter 2:10 For now he towers above all creation this is after his death and his victory and raising above all creation for all things exist through him and for him and that God made him pioneer of our salvation perfect through his sufferings for this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory you're going to share in his glory, you're going to share in his sufferings too. Because just like people hated him, and Jesus even said that people they, like they hated me, they're going to hate you. See, people have gotten to the point to where we just want things nice and easy. We don't want to bug anybody. We want everything to be nice and smooth. We don't want to make any bumps. But the reality of it is your Christian life's not that. It's, it's a, a, a constant thing of laying down your life. Laying down what you desire. Coming outside of your comfort zone. Oh, I don't know. That makes me uncomfortable. Too bad. Buck up. Get out of your comfort zone. And go do what God told you to do. Because I'm telling you right now, everything he's going to tell you to do is going to be well outside your comfort zone. And that's okay. Because once you get in there, he's going to comfort you anyway because that's who he is. He's a comforter. Holy Spirit comes and He brings you comfort in those things where you think you wouldn't have any comfort. That's just the nature of God. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. Now, I'm, gonna, this is, I'm coming to you from another angle now. I'm going I'm to talk about holiness a little bit, and you'll see how these things tie, tie together. Jesus, verse 11... The Holy One makes us holy. And as, his, as sons and daughters, we now belong to His same Father. Hallelujah. So He is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as His brothers and sisters. Here, verse 12. This is a good. For He has said, I will reveal who you really are to my brothers and sisters, and I will glorify you with praises in the midst of the congregation. And, and this, you can own this one. My confidence rests in God. And again, he says, "Here I am, one with the children Yahweh has given me." Say that that in verse thirteen. There, my confidence rests in God. I guess you could call it Godfidence. I stole that from somebody. It's not my own. All right. So Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to the same Father. Holiness, right? Holiness is separate from wickedness, correct? Holiness is another thing that's part of a Christian's life. See, Christianity has become become so close to Oh, you know, know, it's okay. God understands. Yeah, God understands. God understands you're going to hell. God understands that where there's sin, there's death. God understands where there's not holiness, there's got to be what else? Wickedness. See, it's it's like a, a one or the other thing. If you choose no Jesus, you choose to not go to heaven. So the other choice is already made for you. If you choose to live outside of holiness, you're choosing to live outside your relationship with Jesus. Uh, See, now is where people are going to be like, I don't know if I want to listen anymore. It's like I was good with the power and the authority part. but I don't know about this holiness part. See, now the holiness part is where the self-examination comes in. This is where you open yourself up to the Lord. Say, Lord, check me out. I need a heart check. All right. Go with me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah 6, 1. I guess I took my bookmark out. There it is. Isaiah 6 and 1. I'm going to read down probably through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Hallelujah. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. In verse 9, he said, Go, tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but not understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. So then he was given his mission. What I want you to see there, that in the presence of the Lord there is holiness. See, when you, you get into the presence of the Lord... See, this is what actually causes people to get saved. This is why you don't have to tell people how wicked and, and vile and disgusting they are. It's because when you come around, the presence of the Lord comes around with you. When you start speaking out the word of God, when you start telling them about Jesus... ...the conviction comes because the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because they're in the presence of the Lord. See, what happened with Isaiah is he looked up, he's seen God. He realized the presence of the Lord was there... He seen and knew God, right? He became what? Mindful of God. And when he became mindful of God, that shined a light inside of him and he realized the wickedness that he had in his own life. woe to me, I'm undone. It's like, oh no. Bad things are about to happen. I'm undone. I've seen the Lord. I've looked at the Lord. He got into the presence of the Lord and got confronted with the sin that was in his life. See, that's what happens for the Christian when you get saved. But see, it's not something where it's a one-time hit and done. It's something that you should be mindful of your whole life is the presence of the Lord. If you're mindful of the presence of the Lord, you'll be mindful of the holiness of God. If you're mindful of the holiness of God and He says to be holy as I am holy, then you're going to be mindful of what's in your life. You're going to be mindful of the things that need to get ripped out and burned away. Just like the angel flew up with the coal and touched his lip, the fire of God can burn out the wicked things that try to come into your life. Just like it burned out all the sin when you got saved, it'll keep that flame going and burn out anything that tries to come and tempt you. The where you can actually live a life free from sin. You can live a life that's been purged by the fire of God. You can live a life that's holy and righteous. Why? Because he says, be holy as I'm holy. The Bible says that you have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As you become a Christian, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God actually comes onto your life. And as long as you're submitted and yielded to God, that holiness will be worked in you. That fire will continue to burn. Hallelujah. See, the authority that Jesus paid for, it comes to you. You can operate in the authority that he's paid for you to operate in. But the fact of the matter is that you won't be able to do any bit of it without the holiness of God in you. See, without holiness, you ain't going to have it. Because it won't exist where there's sin. You can actually set people free. Hallelujah. Because it's God that's still doing it. And the more you let holiness flow in your life, the closer you get with him. See, here's the reality of it is is that the deeper your relationship goes with God, for lack of better terms, the easier it gets there's still going to be struggles, but it's going to be the kind of struggles that people are going to have to tell you you're struggling. You're having a hard time. Oh, you know what? I've been resting in the presence of the Lord. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. That the problems that you encounter that would shipwreck and destroy anybody else won't be able to destroy you because you spend time in the presence of the Lord and you draw your strength from Him. This is why people are willing and able to lay down their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why people are willing to go to jail for it. They're willing to lay down that. And just like there's people willing to make a holy and righteous stand in the power of God for Jesus Christ. But again, he's mindful of us. And he's given all these things. He's made the way. The the path is already set before us. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The pathway's already been laid out before you. But it's up to you and whether or not you're going to be mindful of who God is. You're going to be mindful of the life that you have in Christ Jesus, that his life has actually become your life. Because he's the vine and you're the branches. His very life flows into you. But if you're not mindful of God, if you're not mindful of that, if you're more mindful of the things and desires and, and the wants of this world, of, of the flesh and wickedness, then you're going to reap everything that, that wickedness and sin brings. Death. And I don't care if you're a Christian or not. If you're a Christian that's living in sin, then you're not really a Christian. You're just a heathen who once said a prayer and maybe got saved at one time, but decided you weren't going to spend any time with God, and since you didn't want to spend any time with him, that his holiness and righteousness didn't come in your life, and then anything that came down life that looked really nice and looked like it might be fun, sex, drugs, violence, whatever, you partook of it, you guess what you just did? You just throwed, thrown Jesus away and decided to take that life up again. The Bible says that nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God, right? No plan that the devil has against you can ever take you out of the palm of the hand of God. But you know the thing is that the, God's, the palm of God's hand is actually sitting there open. You're in it. You're open. It's open for as long as you want to stay there. See, but there's nothing saying that you can't leave the palm of God's hand. Nothing can snatch you out of the, the palm of God's hand. No plan, no wickedness that the devil has to throw against you can ever take you out of the hand of God. But that hand is always open for you to be able to jump right out of there. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean your free will is gone. You can choose to go back to a life of sin. The Bible gives warnings about it. That's why holiness is important. It's not holiness of your nose is stuck up in the air, and I'm holier than thou. And you talk like this, looking down on everyone, which your nose held so high that as you walk through the door, it rubs on the top of your door frame. Because you've got liar, liar, pants on fire, so you know your nose is that long to touch the top of the door frame. It's not that kind of holiness. It's the kind of holiness that's built on the inside of you out of the fact that you spend time with Jesus. It's the holiness that that continues to grow and flourish in your life the more time that you spend with him. And I'm talking time in all kinds of different ways. Worship, praise, prayer, being with other Christians, talking to God, reading your Bible, All these different things. See, revival that everybody wants and longs for is going to come out of relationship. It's going to come out of a burning desire to experience and have more of God. I'm not yet there yet. I'm I'm in a, a, a sense of, like Isaiah, I'm like, woe to me, there's more to be done. There's more that I can be doing. Lord, there's more that can be purged out. Turn with me. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. I'm going to give it to you out of both things. I mean, you could read all of Psalm 139 in reality. It's actually it's actually pretty powerful in it. Psalm 139 will, will show you the, the type of person that God wants you to be, a person that, that doesn't settle and accept wickedness and sin, but a person that is, in a sense, hates it. Not even in a sense. Just does hate it. All right? That's for another time. I think I'll build on that another time. But what I want to take you to right now is where it's the examining of yourself. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me give it to you out of here, too. God, I invite your searching gaves into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. Hmm, how about that? See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. That's a heart of somebody that's in repentance. It's, it's in, a, in a sense, a constant state of repentance. Remember how I'm always saying about keeping your heart soft before the Lord? This is what I'm talking about. It's a heart that says, Check me out, Lord. Examine my heart. Examine my thoughts. Examine every bit of my being. See, this is a person that hungers and thirsts after God. This is a person that desires everything that God has. So much so that they, Lord, look at my life. Examine me. If there's any wicked thing in me, if there's anything in me that's not of you, burn it out of me. And, and bring me back to that, that path of life everlasting. Bring me, bring me back to the path that leads to you, Lord. That's a heart that's fiery and burning with passion for God. It's a heart that hates wickedness. Not people, but wickedness. It's a heart that anything that makes itself an enemy of God is an enemy of that person. Now is not the time to have a life where you lay down and get steamrolled. Now is the time to stand in the authority that God's paid for you. The only way you're ever going to stand in that authority that God's paid for you is by being with him, being close, and letting him examine your life. And if you're not a Christian, then none of this applies to you but there's a price for that. There's a price that's, you don't actually have to do anything for. It'll just happen. It's like the default switch. No Jesus, default, hell. Because God ain't going to force you to come to him i seen something recently that the, the Pope told atheists, you don't have to believe in God to go to heaven. Okay, let's, let's examine this a little bit. The Pope is telling atheists who don't believe in God that they don't have to believe in God to go to heaven. If they don't believe in God, they probably don't believe there's, there's a heaven anyway. So why are they listening to the Pope? Just let's logic this a little bit. Right? So they don't think that there's a God, so they don't think there's a heaven, but somehow they get to go to heaven. So in reality, what he's telling them is that there is a heaven, and you get to go there for free, and you don't have to be a Christian. That's stupid. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. Right? So in other words, you're going to have to believe in Jesus to get to heaven. See, but deception leads people to think, oh, no, everybody's going to be okay. Here's another thing. If, as an atheist, if you just die and there's, there, there's nothing else, then why not just do whatever you want in this life and live like there's, no, there's nothing to pay for, Right? Why not go and just do anything? It doesn't matter if it's illegal or not. This is the only life you get to live, so you might as well live it to the fullest, and hopefully you don't get caught. You might as well study and be real smart and not how to get caught. But what actually leads you to be moral and decide not to kill everybody every chance you get, not to steal from people? What causes that? I don't know. Just a little food for thought for anybody that might come across this and watch it and Maybe you're a self-proclaimed atheist. I don't know. Something to think about. Because there's only one way to get to heaven. And that's through Jesus. There's only one way to operate in, in the power and the authority that God has been so mindful to give you. It's to one, be mindful of him and to come through Jesus and then recognize that it's yours and just go ahead and lay a hold of it and lead a life that's like that. I'm going to save the rest of Psalm 139 for another time because it's actually pretty powerful and it's like, and it's a, a, I guess you could say another train of thought. But what I want you to do is ask yourself tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're watching, but if you're here with me now, it's tonight. God's mindful of every bit of our being. The Bible says that he knows the hairs on your head. Whether they're going plus or minus. He knows the very hairs on your head. Every last one of them is numbered. But the other thought of it is, is how mindful are you of God? Right? And how does your life look when you're mindful of his presence? Do you think that you'll have a life that's living in wickedness and doing sinful things if you're mindful of the presence of God all around you? Because you've got to take into consideration when Isaiah came into the very presence of God, he looked up and seen God. He recognized God that he became one who was really mindful of who God was and recognized everything in himself. And that's for you as the Christian, for you as the person who has come across this. Know that the presence of the Lord is something very real. Everything I've been talking about, everything I've been saying, the word of God is actually carries very real power to it. That the presence of the Lord is actually following the words of what I, I'm talking about. Because the, the, the Bible says that signs and wonders will follow them that believe. So God backs up what his word says. I know right now that there's people that are going to be watching this now or later. And they're, they're going to feel something stirring on the inside of them. They're going to feel the fact that, like Isaiah felt, that, woe to me. I'm a person that's not right with God. And I'm telling you right here, right now, now is the time to get right with God. Now is the time to find out what holiness means. Now is the time that what you're feeling, the presence of the Lord around you right now, that holiness is what you're feeling coming from God, and all it's doing is shining light on the wickedness that's going on in your life. Or if you're the Christian, that, that you got saved at one time, but you kind of steered away, you've done your own thing, you, you've lived a life that's wicked, and you're not even sure of your salvation anymore, then this is applying to you too. You're actually encountering the spirit of the one true God, and he's the one that's telling you that where your life at isn't right. Now is the time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So today is the day of salvation, Then right here, right in this very moment, its is it. And we're going to pray. Because I want you to lead a life that's holy and righteous. I want you to lead a life that, as the Bible says, makes you a peculiar person. That people will look and not understand you, but it won't matter to you because everything about Jesus is all that's going to matter to you. And you'll be all right with the facts that miracle signs and wonders are following you. And people are going to think that's odd that people are going to see the blessing of the Lord on your life and wonder why, how are you so blessed? People are going to look and see that God is actually mindful of you. And because he's mindful of you, they're going to want him to be very mindful of them too. Now's the time to come to that. So I'm going to pray. And if anything I've been talking about tonight is, is hitting you, if you're feeling something stirring down inside your belly, you got like a knot that's in your belly. And, and there, there's something getting stirred up. It, like I, I, something's happening. And then this is your moment to get saved. And this is what I want you to do. The Bible says that you, you're going to make a declaration with your mouth. He who confesses me with his mouth. That's what the Bible says. I'll confess him before my father. See, if the Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God, then everybody has at one point. And the wages of that sin is death, eternal death, hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's only one way. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, in order to call, you've got to use your mouth, shall be saved. So you're going to be, say this verbally. I don't care if you're sitting in the room and you're listening with your headphones on and watching on your telephone, you're going to make a verbal declaration in your mouth and I don't care who's around you. Because the reality of it is it's probably going to impact them too when they hear you. So praise the Lord. So say this with me. This is a prayer. Out of your heart, through your mouth. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, I believe you died for me. But you rose again for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost and a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. And I'm on my way to heaven because I got Jesus in my heart. And just like that, amen. Just like that, you become part of a new family. Just like that. God, who was already mindful of you before, (laughs) in a sense, even so much more mindful of your life now. See, the Bible says that you've been made a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are have become new. In other words, your old life in that moment, you prayed that prayer with me or rededicated your life, you gave your life back to Jesus, you've become sure of your salvation. That old life went away. And a brand new life has come. A life that actually carries power an authority with it, a life that carries miracles, a life that carries signs and wonders. And if you're wondering what a sign and wonder is, it's a thing that people see with their eyes like you see a sign, and it makes them go, I wonder what that was about. I wonder how that happened. See, that's the life. It's a supernatural life that Jesus paid for and is now yours in that very moment. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty exciting. And see, what I want you to do now is I want you, one, to get a hold of us and let us know you got saved, and two, I want you to get closer with God. And I'm here to help you as much as I possibly can to get you into a deeper, closer relationship with Him. One of the ways, tuning into these. Tuning into these things and and finding out some of the very simple truths right out of the Word. I probably shared with you one, two, three, four passages of Scripture and maybe 30 verses plus a bunch of other ones that I just threw out. The Bible's simple. Leading a Christian life is actually a simple life. It's one that's going to be hard. It's one where you're going to have to lay things down that you want to do and everything, but the rewards that God gives are extra, extraordinary. So welcome to the family. I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. And those of you who uh, have been following us for a while or even, even if you just started following us now, um, I want you to join in with us. I want, I want you to hook your faith in with us, with your finances, and believe God. I'm going to believe God with you that he's going to bless you and, and, and take you to new levels in your finances because the Bible says that uh, he who is a giver is a person that's blessed. My little paraphrase there the Bible, Jesus actually said that when you give up houses, um, I almost said cars, but Jesus didn't talk about cars, houses, family, things like that, anything you can think of to walk away from, that he would actually give you a hundredfold blessing, both here now and in this life and in the life to come. So all the, all the ways that you can give, they're going to be over on this side of me here. Is from what Sarah tells me, that they'll appear over there. And you can give in all those ways. I want you to join in with what we're doing. Just as much as I was preaching to you tonight and got some of you saved, then it's going to be the same thing for other people. You make the way for that to happen. You make the way for that to be uh, given increase. You actually are helping me help other people by your giving and know that God's going to bless you on that. And God blesses you in proportion of how you give. If you give just a little tiny bit, God's going to bless that. And he'll bring increase to it. And he can give out a little more. And then he'll bring increase to that. And boom, 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 boom. But if you're somebody that's kind of stingy and always gives just a little bit, you'll still get a little bit of a blessing. But if you want to get more from God, then give a little more to God. The Bible says that men receive it, but God gets it. Why? Because it goes to people. And people are the only thing you can take to heaven with you. So join us in that. I want you to join in faith. Ask the Lord what he would have you do and do it. And take this time to give. I'll give you a couple minutes to do it in whatever the Lord has for you. Just listen to him, obey, and I'm telling you right now that he'll bless the other end of it. Why? Because I've seen it happen in my own life and I've seen it happen for too many other people. So ask the Lord what he would have you do and uh, go ahead and give that. And know that... The, that the same power and authority that he's given is the same power and authority that he gives you over your finances. Because you trust him, and you show him that you trust him in your giving, you can actually speak to your finances and command increase on them. The Bible says that all the silver and all the gold in all the world is his mind. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So if it's all of that is his, and you are a child of God now, then that makes it yours. And as a king's kid, as a son, you can come up and go, Lord, I thank you you meet all my needs according to your riches and glory. So your needs are already met. And Lord, I thank you that you make me a blessing. So Father, I, I, I ask you for the money to come and then you say money come so that I can be more of a blessing to people. That's the nature of it. So go ahead and, and you do that. And know that you'll be blessed. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that his people give. Father, I thank you that you speak to them in their spirit. I thank you, Father, that you, you open up their heart to receive in giving, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that there, there will be overflow in their lives, Lord. I thank you, Father, for abundance. Your word says that we shall not lack. So I thank you, Father, that there's no lack in their life. There's no want in their life. But there is overflow. Your, our cup runs over, Lord. So I thank you, Father, for that, that in faith they speak that out, that their cup runs over. And I thank you, Father, as they pour out, that you pour all the more back into them according to what your word says. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Father, for it. Amen. All right. You be blessed as you go. I love you. I thank you for everything you've given to us. Again, you follow the little things on the side there. God bless you. I love you, and I'll see you again. Bye-bye.